Let's bow together and pray. We pray, O Lord, that your spirit might illumine the text in the hearts and minds of each listener. That we might be equipped to be more fully the men and women, the boys and girls that you're calling us to be. Let your word speak. In the name of the word made flesh, Jesus our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may wonder after this week's homegrown and homeland terrorist attack. And you may wonder on a day like today when we have to acknowledge that our compassionate city is yet more and more violent. Is there a word from the Lord? I was raised in a church that read the Bible both literally and linearly. That is, it read the words to mean exactly what they say. And it also read the words with the understanding that time began and ended in a linear fashion. So, passages like Luke chapter 21 were conflated with other passages of Scripture to provide clues about when the world would end. It had a beginning. It's going to have an ending. We were told that the world was about to end. It was kind of, uh, kind of heady and we felt kind of special that we were the first and only generation that, to whom Jesus' words applied. Every generation before us, uh, those words were about some future date, but we were the ones who would see the world coming to an end. Unfortunately, the world was to come to an end in 1974, And this was 1972. I was 17 years old, and I had other things I really wanted to do. I really wasn't looking forward to the world coming to an end. But this was their message, and it was scary, and it was motivating to keep you in line. And it worked on some people, on others not so well, (laughs) present company included. I tell you about my church of origin, not but simply because they were wrong in their calculation, but because I, I think they made an understandable but very strategic error in understanding what Jesus meant by time and ending, even as we sang that Christ's kingdom is not of this world, so his way of framing things has to be understood in a larger and more spiritual frame than we've understood it heretofore. For Jesus, every generation, every generation faces the end of time. It's like a helix or like a spiral or a a corkscrew that wends its way through time, but that every generation comes to that period where they have to ask the question amidst all of the things going on, the conflicts and the threats, Do they connect to this conflict and threat that's read in Luke 21 and other passages that cause us to ask, not just, when's the world going to end? But what's the end game? Where's the world going? Jesus' image in Luke 21 of signs in the heaven and the earth and fear and foreboding feel to me very apt, very appropriate for this day and time where in this compassionate city 
we will have buried over 80 people who have been killed by an act of violence. Their lives ended by an act of violence, most of them as a result of a handgun. His words seem appropriate in a nation such as ours that is so polarized, so profoundly polarized over issues like what to do with refugees or how do we address the questions of race and racism or how, how, do, we, how do we respond to religions that seem to be more destructive than constructive and what do we do with climate change and politics and on down the line. And then finally... Even though I know California seems a world away from us. And even though the holiday parties and all of the other distractions keep our minds in other places, the reality is that when a couple with a baby living the American dream turns their life toward terror, we've got to admit we're lost. We're in the far country. We're utterly disoriented. We are in Advent, not because the calendar says we're in Advent. We're in Advent because the times we live in say that we're in Advent. Wanting, waiting, asking, Lord, come. Where are you? Like the prodigal son, we find ourselves in the far country. The far country is as far as one can get from the parent. It is a world of scarcity and fear, of unwelcome and even hostility, of complete indifference to other people. The saddest line in the parable to me is when it says, no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Any sense of being my brother or my sister's keeper is, has vanished. Any sense of the communal is long gone. And now we find ourselves in this dog-eat-dog world. Every man, every woman for himself or herself. And we're lost. This isn't who we are called to be. It wasn't how we were created to be. We're in the far country. We're far from God. Where is God? The good news, the good news is that even though the prodigal son positioned himself as far as he possibly could from his father, he knew, he remembered home. Well, even even my father's servants have bread enough to eat and to spare. And here I am dying of of hunger. Life is better with the Father. He knows it. He remembers it. He feels that pull, that loving pull toward home where there's abundance, where there's love, where there's welcome, where there's healing, where there's compassion. And in the face of scarcity, in the face of fear and unwelcome and hostility and indifference, this dream of home beckons him, causes him to rise up and envision a better, more sacred path that could lead him home. I love the line in Janet Tharp's meditation. We gaze upon God's face, smiling at our own and kneel in joyful wonder, knowing we're home. Where is home? 
Home is where God is, where the Father is. The good news is that even though the son, the prodigal son, was as far removed from the father as he could be, even there, the father was present with the son in his memory, in his heart, in his very soul, calling him home, calling him to this place. There is a word from the Lord in every generation This generation, Jesus said, won't pass away until all these things take place. But this generation will also know the kingdom is near. Home is only a heartbeat away. It's among us. And we, though small as a body, we can make a change in the world when we remember and we embody the Christ In the world, love made flesh. It's the only way. There's no other way. I love Paxton Vaughn's Advent devotional that came to our emails just today. She has this image of being lost in a department store from her mother or her father. She's a little girl and she looks around and can't see where parent is and feels that moment of anxiety and concern only to hear her name called out over the intercom to say, someone's looking for you. Someone cares for you. You can find your way home. I wonder if we could join the prodigal son on that path. To leave the far country of scarcity and fear, of unwelcomeness and hostility, and return to the home where the Father is present with us always in our hearts and our minds to join God in the battle we've got to fight. Where our only weapon, our only weapon is love. There is no other way. Our only weapon is love. And we're going to fight not for ourselves, but we're going to fight for the human family and care for all people, not just me and mine, but us and ours, to advocate for politics and policing and preaching that includes all. I realize we don't have the clout to reverse generations of grievances that have come about as a result of colonization and exploitation and violence, which long ago planted the seeds for today's terrorism. Those seeds are already planted. But we're being called upon to sow the seeds of love. St. Francis said, where there is hatred, let me sow love. I realize we don't have the, the clout to stem international terrorism, but we sow the seeds of love. I realize that we don't have the political will in this country to, to try to eradicate this world from all of the guns and especially handguns that make murder such an easy option, but we can state the obvious that we in our world are painfully lost. And with our lives, 
like the prodigal son, like Mary, to say yes to God. To open up and say, use my life, use my body, use my resources to return home and be part of this more excellent way which sows the seeds of love because we believe in love. We believe in God's transforming love. We believe in it even when it's dying. Which is what this table's about. It is the central universal symbol of the church, communion, which says that love when given, life when given, rises again. That God is never done. That's why we're placing crosses on the lawn in memory of people who've been killed by violence as a witness to the hope because we believe as our friends in AA say on the second step that a power greater than ourselves is the only thing that can restore us to sanity it's that power greater than ourselves God God's love in you and in me which can restore this world to sanity So that every moment, every day, if we'll swallow our pride, surrender our fears, and remember the Father's call to us in generosity, come home. We can find our way home to that place of hope and peace and joy and love. And when we do, inch by inch, moment by moment, The world will be changed. Are you willing to say yes? We join together in singing the Advent refrain printed in our service of worship. to say yes this morning as we come to this table of love. It is Christ's table set for all who are hungry for God this morning. So you are invited. On this Sunday of peace, let us now embody and practice the way of peace as we turn to both friends and strangers and say these words. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you.